0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. There's so much to get to, an anime-fueled box office, MoviePass is back, Regal might be filing for bankruptcy. There's so much that's been going on in the world of box office news just in the past week, and there's a lot to get to. Before we do, though, I want to thank my partner here on the show, Carbon Health. They've been with me for a while, and I'm happy to be partners with them because I support what their mission is, which is to provide healthcare to as many people as possible, as affordably as possible. You can check out the Carbon Health app now to see if there is a physical location near you. If there's not, you've got a virtual doctor with you all the time, because you can also use the Carbon Health app for virtual appointments, which is a great resource if you are short on time or you're just not able to get to a physical location. Thanks as always to Carbon Health for supporting the show. And let's look at the box office for this past weekend. And as expected, Dragon Ball Super Superhero was the number one movie with a 21 million dollar debut. We will look at it in context with other anime debuts, including a big one that happened earlier this year in just a moment. At number two is Idris Elba's Beast, A Man versus Lion Tail, which comes in at 11.5 million dollars. Bullet Train drops down to number three in its third week with a 40% drop from last week, followed by Top Gun Maverick. It re-entered the top five last weekend. It's sticking around for at least one more. In its 13th week of release, just a 16.1% drop from last week's total with 5.9 million dollars dc league of super pets also holding decently well in its fourth week although it never put up huge numbers an 18.8 percent drop for a 5.6 million dollar total thor 11 thunder drops out of the top five in its seventh week with a 24.4 percent drop and a four million dollar total followed by minions the rise of grew in its eighth week really not that far behind a 25.6 percent drop and a 3.7 million dollar total nope in its fifth week drops to number eight with a 3.5 million dollar total a 33% drop from last week where the crawdad sings still sticking around at number nine a 20% drop in its sixth week showing the strength of the adult driven box office and the fact that you can hang around for quite a while even if you don't put up a massive number on opening weekend And at number 10, Bodies, 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 in what looks to be, perhaps, its last week in the top 10, although it is a weaker box office market right now. A 22.9% drop in its third week, although only its second week of wide release with a $2.4 million total. Some folks asked if I could track movies when they close, and it's tough to nail down that stuff exactly, although I added a couple of things to the charts, some additions, I know, yay, new chart additions, that could help track how movies are doing, and one of them is this new graphic, which is movies that have dropped out Of the top 10. We had two that dropped out this week. After eight weeks, Elvis drops out of the top 10, although approaching $150 million. Uh, domestically. It's also available through certain premium video on demand markets. Although, as we noted last week, its debut on HBO Max was held back from that 45-day theatrical window. And after just one week, fall also drops out of the top 10. So we will be tracking which movies drop out of the top 10 week by week from now on. And there's also an addition to the domestic chart that I'll talk about when we get there. So let's talk about Dragon Ball Super Superhero. This is one thing where I've been trying to educate myself on anime somewhat in the last several years. I don't really know that much about Dragon Ball. I've honestly only seen the horrible live-action adaptation because we did an honest trailer for it, but I do know that there are a lot of big fans of this franchise, and it's evident when you look at its debut as far as anime film openings here domestically. At number one is still Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, with its 31 million dollar debut way back at the turn of the century. At number two is Demon Slayer, the movie Mugen Train, which had a 22.7 million dollar debut last year, but then here we have Dragon Ball's Super superhero, a 21 million dollar debut. Coincidentally, its debut knocks Dragon Ball Super Broly out of the top five, although it was significantly below Dragon Ball Super's opening. That drops Pokemon the movie 2000 down to number four with 19.5 million dollars. And then earlier this year, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, goes down to number five with its 17.6 million dollar debut. This is the second film in the Dragon Ball Super series, although there have been many, many Dragon Ball movies. And just looking at it as far as as domestic growth here in the United States and Canada when Dragon Ball Super Broly opened back about four years ago it opened to nine million dollars in about 1200 theaters here in 2022 the second Dragon Ball Super movie open to 21 million dollars in over 3,000 theaters i think streaming has had a huge influence here this has been one of the positive things that's come from all the streaming availability is that these anime series and anime movies and shows etc have much more penetration into the overall market because it's not just on i know that crunchyroll for example is a very popular streaming service but i would say it is still somewhat niche you have movies and shows now that are on netflix that are on hbo max that get even wider exposure than they already had to people that have these larger streaming services that don't have to kind of become anime fans before they get a service like Crunchyroll. So this is going to be very interesting to track in the next several years to see just how big anime gets here in the domestic market because it has really been trending upward at an impressive rate. Let's look at a few things with Beast, the Idris Elba movie that also opened, and a lot of times people say, well, Dan, what takes you so long to do the show? I I do it on Tuesday mornings, this one's even later, I apologize because I was traveling yet again, I should be staying close to home for the next little bit at least, so the show should be back on its normal release schedule, Uh, but this is why, when people say, why does it take so long and why do you upload late? It's because I get derailed by dumb things. I wanted to look at the opening of Beast, but not just like, oh, top five Idris Elba openings. So I found two really stupid metrics to measure by. The first is live action movies about lions. If it was animation, it would all just be Lion King and Madagascar movies. So this is restricted to live action movies. And the top three, it's really the Star Wars uh, for lions themselves. If lions were to somehow assume the roles of humans, these would be the Star Wars trilogy. The top opening live action film about a lion is The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with a $65.5 million opening, followed by The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian with a $55 million opening, and then a big drop for The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader with a $24 million opening. Now there is progressively, I believe, less lion in each of those movies, so perhaps that is the reason. Now some people might say, well, wait a minute, you said live action movies, but Aslan is an animated lion. Well, that's true. But while the lion is animated, the movie is live action. Whereas when you talk about the Lion King 2019, it looks live action, but it is completely animated. So even though the lion looks animated in the live action movie, and the animated lion looks live action in the Lion King movie, I'm not counting the Lion King and I am counting the Chronicles of Narnia. See what I mean when I said I get derailed by dumb stuff? At number four is Secondhand Lions, starring Michael Caine, Robert Duvall, and Haley Joel Osment, a movie you might not have heard of unless you are my great Uncle Bobby. This is his favorite movie of all time. So congratulations, Uncle Bobby. Secondhand Lions has its day in the sun. And then you see Beast there at number five with an $11.5 million opening. Of course, there are some movies like Born Free, for example, that came out many, many decades ago that could perhaps have opened higher, but we just don't have those numbers because weekend by weekend numbers weren't really tracked back then. One movie, ironically, that is not eligible for the live-action films based on lions is the movie Lion, which does not, in fact, feature a lion. So there you go. But in addition to movies about lions, there's another thing that I've always been interested in researching, which is how this movie ranks when you compare it to movies that share a name with a character from the X-Men. And so if you've ever wanted this chart, congratulations, now you have it. And congratulations are also in order for Beast because it put up, by my research, the second best ever opening for a movie that shares a name in common with an X-Men character, excluding, of course, X-Men movies themselves because that would just be boring. It's 11.5 million dollar opening is second only to Paul Bettany's Legion, which opened to 17.5 million dollars and is the highest opening for a movie that shares a name with an X-Men character. At number three is Jake Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler with 10.4 million dollars. At number four is Long Shot, starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Yes, it is two words instead of one word, What I went with titles that sounded exactly the same as X-Men characters without any kind of addition or subtraction. So, for example, Sinister's not in here because it's not called Mr. Sinister. It's just really more pure this way, don't you agree? Again, extremely dumb things that I spend my time doing. At number five after Longshot is the Angelina Jolie film Changeling. And there are so many other movies. There is actually a movie called Iceman. There's one called Mimic. There are more movies that share a title in common with an X-Men character than you would think about, but these were the top five. Okay, let's move on from all this silliness to talk a little bit about Top Gun Maverick, which is still in the top five, and continues to climb the domestic all-time chart. As a matter of fact, it finally passed Avengers Infinity War. It is now the sixth highest grossing movie of all time, with a $683.4 million total. The next movie in its sights is Black Panther. If it can net about another $16.5 million, it will become the fifth highest grossing movie of all time, and will probably stay there for a while, uh, both because Avengers... Avatar has 60 million dollars ahead of it already and because Avatar is going to be re-released so you're going to add even more to that total later this year so we're looking at a best case scenario right now of Top Gun Maverick being the fifth highest grossing movie of all time but hey that's not so bad even if it stays at number six that's not so bad. And when we look at adjusted for inflation numbers, now these aren't always perfect, but they give us a little bit of a metric. It has passed The Jungle Book and The Dark Knight to become the 33rd highest grossing movie of all time adjusted for inflation. It is behind Thunderball, Sean Connery's fourth James Bond adventure, and also of course Black Panther, which it is also trailing domestically unadjusted for inflation. So it looks like it's going to pass Thunderball probably right now. And then the next question will be, does it break that $700 million barrier? When we look at the overall overall box office performance for this weekend, we are basically in lockstep with last year's box office. So the last two weekends have been nearly identical to last year when we had movies like The Suicide Squad and Free Guy opening in theaters. So not a whole lot of recovery this week when we compare to 2021, but as you can see previously in the summer, we had a much better earlier part of the summer movie season and we'll see how October does, which is really the next time that we get big tent poles that are arriving in theaters. Let's look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. Dragon Ball Super Superhero was the number one per theater average with just under $7,000 per theater in each of its 3,000 theaters. At number three was a documentary playing in just two theaters called Three Minutes A Lengthening, which brought in $4,000 per theater. It's a documentary about a Jewish town in Poland prior to the atrocities that were committed by the Nazis. It's focused on a very short home movie that's taken at the time, so very heavy but important subject matter there. At number three, another heavy film, The Territory, which brought in $3,700 in seven theaters. It's a documentary about indigenous peoples of Brazil fighting to protect the Amazon from incursion and destruction. This was a distribution partnership with National Geographic. Darren Aronofsky also signed on as a producer. At number four is Orphan First Kill, which brought in just under $3,500 in 498 theaters. This is a prequel to 2009's Orphan that was also a day and date release on Paramount+. Halloween Ends actually just announced today that it will be a day and date release on Peacock, which surprised a lot of people considering that Halloween has been a pretty good box office franchise of late. So interesting that Peacock is sticking with that day and date plan. And then finally at number five, Beast, with just over $3,000 in each of its 3,743 theaters. Before we move on, I want to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Mint Mobile. How many times have you been promised a great deal or even great service by big wireless providers only to find out that there's a catch? So when I heard that Mint Mobile was offering premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month, of course, that's exactly what I thought. What's the catch? But after looking into it, I found out there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret is that they're the first company to sell wireless and service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, and who doesn't, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. They also give you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family, and at Mint Mobile, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same number along with all of your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash That's mintmobile.com slash M-U-R-R-E-L-L, to cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Merle. So we will get on to the rest of the box office news in just a moment, but I wanted to address some other news that happened, a couple of news stories that broke over the past week that I coincidentally have done larger video breakdowns on in the past. The first is news that Cineworld, which is the parent company of Regal, the second largest chain, theater chain here in the United States, is considering filing a Chapter 11 bankruptcy here in the US. It sounds like the operations in the UK, which are operated under the center world name, may be even dicier. And a lot of people ask questions. I actually did a a whole video back in 2020 at the height of the pandemic, where there was talk about amc going bankrupt this is before it went to the moon and so a lot of questions that you might have about bankruptcy are answered in that video there's a little annotation there in the corner or you can find it here on the channel but very shortly just to kind of summarize what a bankruptcy is if you hear that regal is filing bankruptcy a lot of people say like oh they're going out of business that's not what would happen when you declare bankruptcy it basically just means that you are allowed to go into a process which allows you to construct a plan to become profitable. You work things out with the people to whom you owe money. Now, what it would possibly mean is that some Regal theaters would close because a lot of times a bankruptcy proceeding means going through a process of saying, well, which parts of the company are making money and which parts are not making money. And so you could see a situation where some theaters are deemed unprofitable and closed, or in a situation where Regal has multiple theaters in one market, you could see some of them close. But it's not like they file bankruptcy and then they are just out of business immediately. That's not how it works. It could happen later on down the line, but if you are someone who has a regal in your market or you like the regal theater that you're going to, don't worry. Just because they may file bankruptcy as a company, that does not mean they're going out of business. And like I said, you can find even more about all that in that video that I did about AMC a couple of years ago. The other thing that I've heard about, and many of you have looped me in on this, is the return of MoviePass, which will be opening back up for a sign up to a waiting list to get on the new service. I also talked about this when they did the big relaunch event a few months ago. You can find that video up there in the corner, or again, you can find it here on the channel. I have my full take about what their plan is, which I don't think that it's changed. Again, long story short, this really, to me, feels like a chance for Stacey Spikes, who is one of the original founders of MoviePass, who bought the company back, to launch technology that he has been wanting to launch for many, many years, specifically technology that helps advertisers track what ads you watch, including looking at your face through the camera to make sure that you are actually watching the ad, which feels a little nightmarish to me. That's not to say that it's a bad service or that it's not going to work, although it is still as yet unclear which, if any, major movie theater chains are going to participate in the service because it is a credits-based service and not just a swipe-your-card kind of service. So you do need a little more participation from theaters on that end. But I think, to me, this is really much more of an advertising and a marketing play to see if the subscription service can become profitable that way. However, it's very possible that MoviePass becomes what it was when it began, which is a niche service that is something that a smaller number of people Find that they enjoy and can get the best value out of and that's perfectly fine but as far as movie pass coming back to be what it was or to be the disruptor that it was that's not gonna happen and I think it's been pretty obvious that that was an untenable business model for quite some time so my framed movie pass card here uh, is gonna stay in that frame I am NOT gonna be breaking glass in case of emergency let's look now at a little bit more of the weekend at the box office and we'll start with films that were in limited release so these are movies that were in 1,000 theaters or fewer at number one one is Orphan First Kill in 498 theaters with a $1.7 million total. In its second week, the Indian film Lal Singh Chada in 517 theaters with a $528,000 total, followed by Emily the Criminal starring Aubrey Plaza in its second week, staying right there at number three. It expanded theaters but its total dropped slightly to $392,000. E.T. the Extraterrestrial in 793 theaters, its second week in re release, generates $326,000 and then Marcel, the shell with shoes on, continues to contract its theater count, but stays in the top five in its ninth week with $139,000. When we look at the 2022 limited release top 10, a couple of small changes. The top five remain the same, but you see that Lal Singh Chada has now entered the chart at number seven. That bumps Vengeance, Crimes of the Future, and Everything Everywhere All at Once down one spot. It also knocks Parallel Mothers off the list. Just a reminder that for Vengeance and Everything Everywhere All at Once, those are both totals that were taken before those films entered wide release, meaning 1,000 theaters or more. We are almost at the end of the summer movie season. This Friday is actually the last official day of the summer movie season hard to believe that we're already here and when we look at the week 16 numbers there are really no changes we, we're pretty settled in as far as particularly the top five to let's say seven or eight go top gun maverick at number one doctor strange in the multiverse of madness at number two jurassic world dominion at number three minions the rise of Gru at number four thor 11 thunder at number five Elvis at number six, Lightyear at number seven. Nope, still threatening to overtake Lightyear at number eight. Then we have The Black Phone at number nine and Where the Crawdads Sing at number 10 was $77.7 million, Where the Crawdads Sing is the most likely film to get overtaken probably by Bullet Train, and then it looks like that may be your top 10. We'll see what DC League of Super Pets does, how soon it goes to HBO Max or wherever. It'll probably be fairly soon, but I don't know if it's going to make it, so it's very likely that I'm going to get either 8 or 9 out of the top 10 correct. These were my predictions. Dwayne The Rock Johnson will screw me as he always does on my summer box office predictions, or at least it looks that way, but I'm not going to finalize this stuff until it becomes 100% clear cut what the top 10 will be. So we're still going to track this a little past Labor Day because there are a couple things that are still going to get sorted out. These are the international top five movies, so everything outside of the U.S. and Canada. Minions The Rise of Gru rises to number one, and that's because it had its Chinese opening this past weekend with $26.6 million. But actually, in China, it was surpassed by another film, New Gods Yang Jian, with $19.7 million. This is part of an ongoing series of film, so the original Chinese animated film just edging out minions the rise of Gru in the chinese market moon man is at number three bullet train is at number four and then dragon ball super superhero it opened in japan earlier this summer and the other markets in which it was playing it generated about 12 million dollars good enough for number five looking at the movies worldwide so it's the international market combined with the domestic market Dragon Ball Super Superhero is the number one movie in the world with $33 million, followed closely by Minions The Rise of Gru with $30.4 million. Its Chinese opening actually means it had a 93% increase from last week's box office. Bullet Train drops 33.9% in its third week with a $20.1 million total, followed by New God Jiang Jian at number four and Moon Man at number five, dropping 44.6% from last week. Looking at 2022 in total, this is the domestic box office chart, and you see these little asterisks by some of the movies. That's because even though I don't know exactly when movies are completely out of theaters, I can tell when their grosses freeze. Which is what happened to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness this past week. So, any movie with an asterisk next to it, that means that is the final total, barring some kind of re release like we're going to see with Spider Man No Way Home next week. So, looking at that, Top Gun Maverick is still growing at number one with $683.4 million. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is now locked into a final domestic total of $411,331,607 at number two. Jurassic World Dominion at number three. The Batman who has been locked in for quite some time at $369.3 million, is at number four. Minions The Rise of Gru at number five. Thor Eleven Thunder at number six. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Uncharted both locked in at number seven and eight. Elvis is at number nine, and Lightyear is at number ten, still under threat from dropping off the list entirely due to the emergence of Nope. When we look at the box office share for 2022 not a whole lot of change universal picks up one market share point it now has 26 percent of the total box office market for 2022 pretty impressive for them paramount loses one box office percentage point because it certainly did extremely well with top gun maverick but hasn't had a whole lot of movies in the marketplace after the first part of the year so universal as we end the summer movie season now has the lion's share of the box office with Paramount at number two, Disney Fox at number three, and Warner Brothers and Sony both tied for fourth place when it comes to the big five studios. Looking at the 2022 Worldwide box office, nothing changes on this chart. Basically, just movies that are kind of creeping up or creeping down Jurassic World Dominion. It still remains to be seen whether it has enough in that tank to break $1 billion. It's going to be close, but it's still in several markets. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at 3. Minions, the Rise of Gru at 4. The Batman at 5. Thor 11 Thunder at 6. The Battle at Lake Chung Jin 2 at 7. Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore at number 8. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number 9. And Uncharted at number 10. Looking at the worldwide box office for the past 365 days, you take today's date, you go back one full calendar year, these are the top 10 movies over that period of time. Spider-Man No Way Home remains number one, and perhaps will increase that number as it introduces a new version next weekend with some extra bonus features for audiences. Top Gun Maverick at number two, Jurassic World Dominion at three, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at four, The Battle at Lake Chongjin at number five, although it will rotate off this chart in a little more than a month, with 327 days on the chart, Minions the Rise of Gru at number six, No Time to Die, also the senior movie on this chart. We'll lose it in about a month at number seven, The Batman at number eight, Thor 11 Thunder at nine, and The Battle at Lake Chongjin 2 at number 10. We've got a lot more to get to, but before we do that, I want to thank the other sponsor for today's show, Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for creators to keep up with the growing demands for modern video content so you can bring all of your stories to life and stop sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. The Storyblocks Unlimited All-Access Plan gives you unlimited downloads to the over 1 million plus assets in their library so you can find the perfect fit, create more, and spend less without sacrificing quality. The Storyblocks library is demand-driven and they're constantly adding to their 4K and HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro, templates music images sound effects and more to give you everything you need to bring your stories to life and it's all royalty free so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial or personal use you can choose a plan that works for you from their selection of flexible subscriptions that scale to give you all the content and tools you need to focus on creating and not worrying about your budget. Find out more right now by heading over to storyblocks.com/dan. That's s t o r y b l o c k s.com/dan d a n to find the plan that's right for you. We'll look at the streaming charts in just a second, but I always like to take a moment and have a box office flashback. Let's revisit a box office weekend from years past, and we are going back 15 years, if you can believe it, to the box office for August 17th through 19th, 2007, the 33rd weekend of the year, which saw the debut of Superbad, starring Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. who would have thought that Jonah Hill, 15 years later, would be an Academy Award-nominated actor, directed an A24 movie. He is a person of many talents, a number one opening under his belt, along with Michael Sarah. The introduction of McLovin' Mania, lots that you can credit with bad. million there. Rush Hour 3 in its second week dropped 56.5% for a $21.8 million total. The Bourne saga we thought was coming to a close in its third week with 39.6%. The Bourne ultimatum putting up $20.7 million, really making a play for number two there. In its fourth week, the Simpsons movie was still hanging around with a $6.8 million total. And then at number five was an Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake starring Nicole Kidman, who would go on to become a very prominent AMC spokesperson, and Daniel Craig, who would go on to be Benoit Blanc, who I am very much looking forward to seeing again later this year. The Invasion only opened to $5.9 million, despite having some marquee talent attached. So you don't always know how movies are going to do at the box office. But we do know how movies are doing on different streaming services, and we will start as always by looking at the iTunes charts. At number 1 is Elvis, which is available for purchase and premium video on demand. It stays at number 1 on this chart, followed by Jurassic World Dominion, available for purchase. The pre-orders for Top Gun Maverick, which is entering the digital marketplace, were good enough for number 3, followed by Minions: The Rise of Gru at number 4. Watcher, which debuted at Sundance had a respectable run in limited release and was available this week is a 99 cent rental is at number five followed by vengeance entering the marketplace available for purchase and video on demand at number six everything everywhere all at once and the unbearable weight of massive talent at number eight two of the longest titles of the year and then two new movies at number nine and number ten rogue agent and spend me round Let's see what's happening on Netflix. We had a big discussion last week about The Gray Man and its comparison to the performance of another original film, Purple Hearts, which really surprised people with its performance. Well, they were both supplanted this last week. This was the week of August 8th through the 14th by Jamie Foxx in Day Shift, which drew 56.5 million hours watched and a PFV of 30.1. That means potential finished views, and that is measured in millions of people, which means that the hours watch number divided by its runtime tells us that 30.1 30.1 million netflix members could potentially have finished viewing day shift it's just a little metric i made up that helps me put things in context for netflix purple hearts is at number two with a pfv of 22.8 another 46.3 million hours watch the sandman i talked about the fact that it had a debut a bit on the lower side but it does look like the fans of that show were maybe just taking a little bit more time to watch it because in its first full week on netflix it garnered 127.5 million hours watched and a pfe of 15.9 certainly not stranger things numbers but we will see how it continues to grow and develop versus other original series I Just Killed My Dad season 1, which has a relatively low number of hours watched, 26.1 million, but is also much shorter than most other Netflix series. Is it number 4 with a PFE of 12.29, which is just above Uncharted, the Sony movie that is now on Netflix. Sony does not have their own huge streaming service, so they can still license a lot of their movies out to other streaming services. A PFE of 12.28. At number six is the Netflix movie Carter with a PFE of 11.96 and another close result here because Never Have I Ever, another Netflix original series is at number seven with 11.95, followed by the wedding season a Netflix original movie at 11.7. The Gray Man drops to number nine with a PFE of 9.8 and 21.1 million hours watched. And then at number three, the Netflix original series Lock and Key, its third season comes in at number 10 with 38.4 million hours watched and a PFE of 6.9. Looking at the top 10 most watched Netflix programs for 2022, The Adam Project remains at number one, followed by Stranger Things 4, which keeps creeping up. The Adam Project had a PFE of 147.2. Stranger Things 4 has a PFE of 136.1. Keep in mind, this is globally. The Gray Man is at number three, Hustle's at number four. Purple Hearts, though, enters the chart at number five with a PFE of 97.1. So a lot of people have watched this film. Bridgerton Season 2 drops one spot to number six. The Sea Beast advances one spot to number seven. The Man from Toronto drops one spot to number eight. The Tender Swindler drops to number nine senior year drops to number 10 and Ozark season four drops out of the overall 2022 most watched when measured by PFV when we look at the most watched Netflix programs from June 28th 2021 when they started providing hours watch data to present we also have a couple of additions the top five remain the same but the gray man enters the chart at number seven and purple hearts enters the chart At number 10, that drops out Bridgerton Season 2 and The Man from Toronto. So Netflix original movies really dominating a lot of this chart. Although Squid Game remains the unchallenged champion for the last 18 months with 2.2 billion hours watched and a PFV of 279.2. Another big chart that we've added in the recent months has been Nielsen. This is not a perfect metric. This is only domestic, so this is not worldwide. The numbers are delayed by about a month, which is why you don't see movies like Prey on this chart just yet and it doesn't measure certain devices so this is not a total number of people that have watched these different shows but again it helps us kind of get a rough idea of how all of these different services are doing compared to each other let's look at the chart for streaming movies first this is a minimum view of two plus minutes in the u.s measuring the week of july 18th through july 24th this was the week that the gray man hit netflix and it was easily the most watched movie as measured by nielsen with 23.9 million hours watched followed by sing 2 and the seed Beast on Netflix and Persuasion, also on Netflix, followed by Encanto, a mainstay on this chart, at number six. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Moana, two movies that we've seen previously, jump up to number seven and eight, which suggests that in the absence of big new additions to streaming services, they are reliable favorites that people are falling back on. The Bob's Burgers movie is at number nine, and Chips on Netflix is at number 10. And finally, looking at the most watched streaming shows in the US, as measured by Nielsen, Virgin River on Netflix at number one, with 43.9 million hours watched, followed by Stranger Things and Resident Evil, a Alone, which is split between Netflix and Hulu, is at number four, followed by NCIS and Coco Melon, which I think have been on every single one of these charts I've done so far. Grey's Anatomy is at number seven, followed by The Umbrella Academy at number eight, The Boys at number nine, and The Terminalist at number ten. And that wraps up our look at the box office this week. We have an interesting final week of the summer. It's not necessarily a blockbuster slate of films, but it is a very interesting one. First, we have 3,000 Years of Longing, which is the latest movie, the first since Mad Max Fury Road from George Miller. So we have a double Idris Elba August with some Tilda Swinton on the side. Also entering wide release is a movie called The Invitation which shares a name with a really good movie that was directed by Karin Kusama back in 2015. This one looks somewhat similar to Ready or Not, so we'll see how it is. In limited Release is a really good movie that I was fortunate enough to see virtually at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. It was screened under a different name, but it is called Breaking, and it stars John Boyega as a veteran who is trying to rob a bank in order to get the money that the VA owes him. He is fantastic in this movie. I believe this is also the final performance of the late Michael K. Williams, who has a critical supporting role. So if you're in a market where Breaking is available, this has a big recommendation for me. Then looking at streaming, Netflix has a movie called Me Time, which is a new buddy comedy starring Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Hart. And over on Amazon is a movie called Samaritan, which is an aging superhero film starring Sylvester Stallone from Overlord director Julius Avery. Of course, there are also lots of other limited release selections in various markets around the country, and I encourage you to check your local listings, see if anything piques your interest. Thank you as always for watching. I will be back later this week with more movie news, reviews, box office, you name it. Thank you to my sponsors, Storyblocks and Mint Mobile, as well as my partners at Carbon Health. But most of all, thank you for your time. I will be back next week. Until then, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye.